Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. It's Tracy, and I am back with another fun-filled episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. What are you doing? I'm <laughs> just sitting here waiting on your cue. Thanks for having me. My name's Alex. I'm Super Producer Alex. I'm, I'm glad to be here. And you're waving your feet in front of the camera. Well, they don't need to know that. Nobody needs to know about your big feet, but you well, keep telling them, so okay, there so, it is. So speaking of your feet, do you, have, feet. TS, do you have TSA pre-check? Not on my feet. No. Okay, so you don't. So you got to take your shoes off every time you go through. I do. Yeah. So um, I like take them off and then just you know throw them across, uh, usually over the the metal scanners and the X rays to the other side, and and hopefully they don't notice. You're the guy that goes through the machine, aren't you? Yeah, it, it a dead sprint. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, today we're talking to a former behavior behavior. This is hard to say former behavior detection officer and trainer with Department of Homeland Security, Robin Barnhart is Oh, this is Robin. Us. Okay. Yeah. 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 So basically, you know what she is? A former behavior detection officer and trainer. Yeah. And that means she's a body language expert for Department of Homeland Security. And I'm still curious why it is you didn't get that call and get that job. And I think I know why. Why? You can't pronounce the title. Uh, that's half of it. You'd be like, I'm Tracy, the something, something officer. Yeah. Well, I, I might be a good like, <laughs> under, <laughs> undercover. I, I think I'd be a good undercover officer because, you know, there's a lot of plain clothes TSA wandering around doing body language analysis on all of us. Darling, when is the last time you wore plain clothes? I, I don't. That's another reason why I can't wear uh -huh. plain clothes. Yeah, that's problem number two right there. <laughs> right. But there are plenty of people that are and they're looking for terrorists everywhere, all over, everywhere. And screening all sorts of people. Screening for pre-terrorism. That's right. And Robin has a secret, and she would not. Uh, she has. She has a document that she will not give me, and she uh, continually would not give it to me. And then she had it there, and she showed it to me on the Zoom, and it was far enough away that I couldn't. I couldn't read anything on it. Huh. And was this a document that was not found? and recovered from Mar-a-Lago? It's the one that they kept? It's 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 the one, yeah, it's the one they didn't find. <laughs> well, you know, they found a bunch of the folders for class. Yeah, the stuff, empty folders. It was in probably there, right? in one of those folders. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she is the second TSA officer to not give this to me. And it's the same document. Mm -hmm. Why are they telling you about it and then telling you that you can't have it? Because they like to taunt me. So it's the same thing I do with chocolate. Yes, same like thing. Like when I bring over the raisin cookies. Yeah shouldn't do that that's bad you shouldn't you're do still that. traumatized by that aren't you a little bit a little bit the same way the same those way that I'm don't just... know i brought cookies over to tracy's house the other day she was salivating her mouth was open there was a line of drool coming out of the corner of her mouth she i finally opened up the container and let her edit which means let her off of her short little leash <laughs> she goes and grabs a cookie and shoves the entire thing into her mouth and then gives me this look like she is just i don't know inhaled turpentine she's like these are open these are oatmeal raisin cookies. That's horrible. Why did you show up here with oatmeal raisin? Yeah. And 
This is really not forgiving me for this. That's clearly. really bad. You're no better than the TSA. Anyway, so what we need to do is talk to Robin. and uh, We're going to learn a ton. And she is going to continually remind me that she is not giving me this document. I cannot wait to hear what Robin has to say. These All right. people are fascinating. Let's go talk to Robin. Let's do it. It's Tracy, and I have a super cool interview today on truth, lies, and cover-ups. I have Robin Barnhart with me. Now, let me tell you how this all came about. So I went to a party this summer, and I met someone who was a a Department of Homeland Security body language expert. And she, me and her had a great conversation and um but she would not tell me what i wanted to know because because it's department of homeland security and so um and she's still employed she wanted to keep her job and so i started thinking because i was like oh man i want to know some more things about this and then i remembered that i knew you robin (laughs) and, and that you are a or have been in the past a behavior detection officer for the Department of Homeland Security, which means you're one of the top body language experts around. And, um, and you know, I'm a body language expert too. Uh, and around you, I feel like I get a little nervous. I know how people feel around me now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and here, here's the difference, because I've taken these skills into business and you have been on the boots on the ground, interviewing people at different transportation hubs, let's call them. and um, and there's one piece of information I know you won't give me, but I'm going to ask you for it again anyway. And so, <laughs> and so oh, anyway, welcome to the show. I'm so psyched that that you came on. Oh, well, thank you, Tracy. I'm so delighted to be here. You know that I love you outside of our conversation here today. So oh, yeah, I appreciate yeah. the invite. Oh, yeah. Same here. I mean, we're friends anyway. So yeah. um, body language uh, is not dependent on our friendship. So, um, <laughs> so, so let's let's talk about this. So. You show up at the Department of Homeland Security and one day you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a behavior detection officer. Like, how does this, I mean, were you like checking bags through the x-ray thing or like, how, how does one, how does this happen? Um, well, actually, I uh, the when the program was first being introduced, I was immediately interested in it. So I started uh, uh, applying to be in that position, which mm-hmm. I knew early on, it was very a very new program. And uh, I knew that uh, the chances of me being in were probably good. Mm-hmm. And but I actually wanted more than that. I think, you know, that I uh, I was uh, I did just the uh, video uh, body language detection mm-hmm. uh, for a short period of time. And then I became an instructor and I was one of 22 instructors that taught the body language course and one of only six that taught the microfacials course. Well, okay, let's talk about that because, okay, so in our discussions, and tell me if I'm right or wrong or or whatever, um, a lot of what you're doing roaming around these areas is looking for fear. Is that true? Or how how do you all really break things down as to like, what's the primary thing that you're looking for? Well, and and I actually don't think that we're uh, wandering around looking for fear because, Mm -hmm. Uh, in the environment we were in, often people could be fearful for any number of reasons. And anything that you're doing when you're looking at behaviors, you never take just one thing that you see. You know, you could 
uh, well, with rare exception, there might be a few, if you see somebody coming in with an armed gun and, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and doing something that's obviously something that is mm-hmm. going to, to, uh, have you intercede there, but you actually are looking for first, maybe a deviation from what the baseline is mm-hmm. and the baseline there, you know, an individual themselves has a baseline and, uh, if it's a stranger, obviously you don't know what their normal baseline is. Totally. So you're just observing them in that environment and seeing if there's any changes or fluctuations in that mm-hmm. baseline. Mm-hmm. But also the environment itself has a baseline. So uh, if uh, if you walk into the airport and uh, you see people standing in line, you know, the people at the back of the line, they uh, they may just be chatting and talking and stuff, but say it's a very long line and they're late for their flight or something, you may start seeing them change in their behavior because Mm -hmm. they're getting a little more stressed or something. And you take that into account. But uh, in in the midst of that, if you see things that are a deviation from that baseline, mm-hmm. that one thing, you know, all of us have individuals responses or different responses to a different situation. Sure. So you may notice one thing, but it's not one thing alone with rare exception mm-hmm. that's going to get your attention. It's when you start noticing that there are a number of things, uh, several things, and I can't tell you how many, you know, exactly, you know, what the threshold is for that. But, uh, you know, when you start noticing several things, that's when you begin to to take an interest in that person. Well, okay. So let's, let's talk about that. So, so let's say you see someone and they're, um, it, it's not right. Okay. Their baseline has gone haywire. And I think this is the big difference between what I do and what you have done. Cause mostly what I do is, is um, at the end of the day, I do a lot of video review so I can roll it back and forth and I can drink my coffee and I'm doing pretty good. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I write my report and everything's good. So you're more on the fly. And, and so just by the fact, even if you're just wearing uh, a DHS uh, polo shirt, let's say, you're going to strike fear into people by even if you're close or uh, especially if you strike up a conversation with them. So what's what's the path forward to investigate these a little bit more completely? Well, we, first of all, you take into consideration, uh, you know, if you're in a uniform of some kind, Mm -hmm. you take into consideration that people are going to respond. But in that environment, uh, most people aren't unusually upset about it. And that actually can be one. And remember, one thing alone isn't going to be something that uh, is going to make us automatically assume somebody might be a person of interest. But uh, if someone avoids eye contact with the police or, or uh-huh. you know, any officer, if they're if they're avoiding eye contact, that is something that we pay attention to. But again, it's not that one thing alone that is going to cause it. But we take note of that. I mean, these are just the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And p- part of, you know, uh, in uh, the people that are doing that or the officers that I would train in doing that, you know, if they're in an environment they're actually walking around and, and possibly talking to people. So it doesn't necessarily strike fear, you know, when they come up, uh-huh. they just may be, you know, they're just blending in and, and kind of doing their thing and, and interacting with people in a normal way. I mean, I don't know if you've been someplace where, uh, well, even where I go to church now, <laughs> there's uh-huh. police officers often yeah. outside in the lobby and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we sit and talk to them and chat and they talk to us as we go mm-hmm. by. 
So there is an environment where it doesn't, that alone doesn't strike fear in them. It's just part of what the environment is. Uh But with that, we still pay attention to it. If somebody obviously is avoiding you or is not wanting to look at you and, you know. Okay. So then did you have a favorite go-to for striking up a conversation with, with someone just standing in the ticket line or uh, maybe, I don't know, in line at Starbucks or something like that? Um, Well, uh, I, I'm a very talkative person anyway, or friendly. I interact oh, yeah, with totally. people all the time. So, uh-huh. you know, I, you know, just the normal things you could do with anybody say, oh, you know, I love that shirt that you're wearing or, uh-huh. or you know, the, and, and if it's a situation, you know, can I help you with that? Or, you know, anything that you can do just to, to get in that. So it's a very normal process. Uh-huh. And I think that's part of what, you know, how you're able to get into that. And often, you know, if you're, you know, if somebody's stressed for a lot of reasons, they may ask you questions, you know, oh, I just, you know, and tell you, and you can actually give them information and, and you can tell if that seems to resolve some of their anxiety or uh-huh. makes them more distressed. So, oh, well, we just found out that lights, that lights canceled or something, you uh-huh. know, it could, it could uh, uh, distress them in that way. So then how do you get from, okay, I like your shirt to, do you have a gun? <laughs> like, like, how, do you, <laughs> how does that conversation arc go? Well, uh, we, when, uh, when the officers are, uh, uh, talking with people, obviously they're not going to ask them if they have a gun. Right. Uh, that's something you, well, I mean, you, you were referencing the airport. If one of yeah. the officers is at the airport, uh, uh, they're going to, uh, let them go through the, the normal, uh, process of screening, uh-huh. which that gun should be found at that process. Uh-huh. But if there was things that caused them to, to, uh, uh, have an indication that there was something more that they were needed. They're also going to notify them that this is a person that they're, 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 uh, the officers there uh, would then be, uh, you know, just doing the normal process, you know, going through, through their bag or doing whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and interacting with them in that way. And if they in fact found a gun and you believe it or not, guns are often found at the airport because people are foolishly, (laughs) I don't know if uh, it's been a while since, since I've been, been at the airport, but, uh, people, they would forget to check it or, you know, carrying on, I mean, knives and all kinds of things. So Mm -hmm. they have to go back out and put them in their car or do whatever. They're just not allowed to continue in. But, you know, the, uh, at, at, uh, again, in that environment, the people that would be coming in are ones that they weren't necessarily trying to do something, uh, at that moment, they would be testing to see what they could get away with. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, I know there was, uh, some individuals, some uh, young men that were coming through and in uh, at one of the airports and in their bag, they had uh, one of them had like uh, plumbing pipes taped together with duct tape and a coin or just a little metal round disc uh, stuck to it. And then another one had wires or something. It's been so long. I don't remember, but uh-huh. they had some things that were not normal and would in fact alarm, and that may have been what they were trying to test, but they were nothing in themselves that we could say, hey, <laughs> you know, you can't carry these in here, uh-huh. but it, it's still a way, it, it's a test, you, you know, when, and there's a lot of other things I could go into that I won't, I won't describe on why, why they were of special interest, I guess, mm-hmm. but it, they, you know, people forget that those that might try to harm our country, you know, the, uh, 
I think of police officers or anyone here, you know, they do their job and, and especially those that are dedicated to it and trying to serve the people. Uh, but they go home and, and they enjoy their family and, uh, you know, they live their life outside of their work environment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those, if you actually have a true terrorist and many of them, you know, that may even be willing to sacrifice their life like those on 9-11. Yeah. They are thinking 24-7 about how they can destroy us and they will go into any environment at any time and they will notice and pay attention to anyone that's there. They're more aware of the officers that are around than most people are, and they're still going to try and uh, pursue the goals that they have. So it, it changes the way you think about things if you realize that that's all they think about. They're oh, just thinking yeah. about ways, you know, threading a, 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 a wire into a suitcase, you know, or maybe mm -hmm. there's a suitcase and, and uh, that's something that could be looked for if you see a grown man walking around with a, a, a turtle's bag or something you know something that a little kid's bag of some kind uh -huh. maybe there was something in that bag that allowed them to hide something in the seam or something in a way and they're trying it but it's something that would draw your attention oh wow oh that's interesting because here's the thing here's the list that you won't give me and neither would my new friend here <laughs> and that's the list of things that you all look for <laughs> I'm like come on someone has to want to give me this list but um, well i can't give you the list but i can you know a, a thing or two and there's many happen, things that i think if it would just happen to come out in conversation robin <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, um, so, okay. So did you ever end up, okay. So let's say you're past a screening point and maybe people, are there still, uh, agents kind of walking around in that area too, like by the gates and things? There were, I, uh, um, I, you know, you know that I'm not with them anymore. I had right. an injury and ended up leaving. So I'm not sure exactly how they're doing the program these days, but, mm -hmm. uh, uh, yes, there were at a time and they weren't always dressed in a uniform. They may be dressed in regular clothes, too. So that's another thing, both inside and out. You might have someone that was there that wasn't necessarily in uniform. Right. And and so it's more easy to, uh, you know, just mingle yeah, among people. people. Yeah. OK, um, so so let's say someone's suspicious. Right. They're through security and they have a little kid's turtle bag and it's not going. It's they're showing signs. Right. What happens then? What do you mean? Uh, what I'm not well, sure. Well, are you are y'all going to take them in one of those little rooms and shake them down <laughs> a little bit, or like what what really happens? Because like because you have this like like behavior maybe backs up like what they're doing uh, physically with maybe something on them or something like that. Like what's the next steps there? I mean, will you stop them from getting on their plane or what, what's what goes on? Well, I mean, uh, again. Uh, if you're at, at an airport and you see someone, uh, the officers that are there, they're going to be the ones that, in fact, are examining their bags when they're uh, mm -hmm. once they get through uh, just processing and getting inside. They are the ones that are looking at them and they're engaging them in a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a very important part of it, because conversation, you're actually able to watch for things in a whole different way than just being able to observe them from outside. Mm -hmm. And you can ask them very specific questions that may, in fact, answer what, why you were seeing some of the behaviors. And even then you're watching for their behaviors because people can lie in anything. But, you know, if you were seeing maybe uh, distress or something mm -hmm. and 
and you're talking to him and uh, uh well you know, i was thinking <laughs> i could start giving a list but then that would be saying uh, probably too much oh come but, on you, uh, you you know you know that we need the list <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I know you want the list. Yes, but the uh, but if you're talking to it, you may actually find out maybe someone in their family just died and they're mm -hmm. on their way to a funeral or something. Mm -hmm. So even during that process, you may in fact find a reason why whatever was there was there was mm -hmm. there. And you know, obviously, if you found something, you could ask them about it. Now, once those are, if you're not getting resolved that person is actually handed over to Leo or law enforcement officer at that, mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from our perspective, you know, we don't necessarily know the outcome of what happened to it, but I would say that most of the time that they are uh, free to go on with their, with their flight or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's with rare exception. It's like those uh, young men that came through and from my perspective, there was a great deal to be upset about it, but there was still nothing that we could do there that would, uh, allow us to detain them. They weren't going to cause any, obviously any uh, injuries on the mm -hmm. plane or there, there wasn't anything they were doing there, but you, but know, you they knew just they were testing the system. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's talk. And we talked a little bit about this because law enforcement, it gets to be political <laughs> and, and you've been in this a long time, like Bush, like part of me thinks that the TSA while necessary, it was, it was a little bit of like George Bush's jobs program in, in a certain uh respect and um and and you said like there was some differences in administrations between how effective it was at different times can you can you get into some of that um i can <laughs> um I'm, I'm pondering this yes okay um yes different administrations i do think that we have had and I don't know if I should be naming the names. I, you know who I'm referring to. Mm -hmm. But we have had people that were over our country in authority that I don't think actually cared for the security of our country in the same way. Mm -hmm. And where, and it was uh, George Bush that actually brought our program into existence. It mm -hmm. was under his administration. But the next one, I believe, actually tried to undo us uh, mm -hmm. and uh, dismantle our abilities to do anything even with such things as, I mean, we know that there are terrorist countries that are, there are countries yeah. that we should pay more attention. And if you see their passport and know they're from their country, that would be one thing that would be an identifying thing that you would look at. And he made it so that uh, you could not <laughs> choose, use a country as anything that, uh -huh. that you could look at. And uh, I mean, and I, over time, I believe that, uh, he just tried to dismantle the program and the program is actually much smaller now than mm -hmm. it was. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. So, um, yeah, sadly, uh -huh. because, you know, from my perspective, there's, there were, I actually think it should have been able to grow in its strength and, you know, the people that are doing it and there's going to be, there isn't any uh, profession or anything that doesn't have good and bad individuals, mm -hmm. but for most, it's like in the military, there's going to be good guys and bad guys. In yeah, there. totally. But for most of the people, I grew up as a military kid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've spent, uh, you know, a good portion of my life around it. My husband was in the military for eight years and, uh, or I was a military wife. It, this is an ex-husband. Uh, I, I was uh, your, war, uh, your warm-up husband. <laughs> so, the, uh, but uh, 
I love the military. Uh-huh. You know, I, I and I love this country and I believe we've been uh, blessed with the greatest country that has ever existed. And sadly, I see that being destroyed through so many things because there is a plan to destroy this country. And, uh, you know, it's slowly moving in and things are happening. And people often are being uh, deceived by many of the lies that are being told. And and even the history is being changed. You know, there's just so much going on this day. Oh, yeah. Well, that that is true. So then um, tell me about you said when Obama came in and I don't know if this happened with, with Bush either. Um, and, 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 and this is also, uh, with my friend that I met at the party, she said they have to go through a lot of testing, uh, to keep their skills, uh, sharp, which I think is important, but, mm-hmm. um, I'm curious what kind of testing you went through, like kind of like repeated, like ongoing testing, but then there's some problems in the testing system as well. Right. So can you speak to that a little bit? Well, I'm not sure what you're referring to in testing. I I think of the, I mean, uh, I think of more of the people that are at, if you're referencing TSA, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. the TSA, I feel so sorry for the officers that are there, like at the gates when you check in and stuff. Mm -hmm. They have such constant testing, literally, while, I mean, you know, people get mad and yell at them and do all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And yet they're they're held liable, you know, even to keep their job. Mm -hmm. They have to keep the protocol that's been given. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like somebody being upset that uh, why are they making my uh granddad get out of his wheelchair or stay, you know not necessarily get out but you uh-huh. know they're having to swab it down and look at it you sure. know it's an old man uh-huh. but a terrorist will pay a grandfather ten thousand dollars you know a hundred thousand dollars to let them put a bomb into their wheelchair you know they, we just forget that and they may be doing it thinking oh i could leave that i'm about to die or something you know uh-huh. and i'm making up a story here sure but uh th- now the behavior detection officers the training itself uh, you know, as an instructor, when uh, I would be testing officers, and these are people that are wanting to become it, mm-hmm. it can be a very stressful. I like to think of myself, you know, I want to help people and I'm, yeah. I try to be a good trainer and stuff, but there's still an automatic intimidation factor there when you have someone that is in front of you that is going to determine the outcome and possibly the, the career that you may or may not have. And even as an instructor, when you look at individuals, there may be someone that you see that just isn't getting it. They're Uh just not seeing the things or learning them, but they're also now in a very high stress position. And if they do it again and try again, because they could try multiple times, Mm -hmm. eventually they're going to catch on and they may be an excellent one. So from that perspective, there's a there's a, a great deal of pressure, you know, especially entering the program. Now, after it, obviously, there's, uh, you know, things that any in any position that you're going to do, you have to maintain certain standards or do different things. Mm-hmm. But it's it's different for behavior t- uh, detection officers than it might be for for a TSA officer that's at the airport. Sure. Now, didn't they kind of send people around to try to catch y'all like in, in a in a. Uh, like in a mess up situation or didn't you say something along those lines or it wasn't somebody trying to catch us. And again, uh, that I think they actually had, uh, and uh, it's called the red team. Oh, okay. 
And uh, th- that's actually their job is they're supposed to go and try to make sure, you know, that people are doing their job correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just showing up and watching and maybe they they are doing something and they're saying, oh, they didn't see anything in me. And and they uh, they weren't able to identify me as being this supposed bad guy that I'm pretending to be or whatever. Uh-huh. And I, uh, the opposite of that would be the federal air marshals that would go through the airports. The federal air marshals are getting onto planes basically undercover. Yeah. And uh, they do have a weapon with them, but they would be going through the normal protocol and, and procedure going through. But the, B, uh, the BDOs would often identify them because they are, be, you know, they're hiding a weapon and they're yeah, doing yeah. all these things. So they're carrying all the normal stress that someone that might be hiding that would deliberately do. Well, of course, Uh they have ID and everything. Once they get through, it ends up being fine. Uh But the difference between those is that the people, the red team that's going through, they have their, you know, they're just trying to trap you, but they have no stress or concern about being caught. Right. You know, you did something. Yeah. And and I, I made the joke that, well, they ought to make it so that if they were identified for any reason or picked out that they would lose their job. Now, I don't know. But something that would cause them to have stress going through right. and their behaviors would be different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was not necessarily a productive way, in my opinion, to, you know, I can see if you're trying to see if they'll catch identify something in a bag. But with behaviors, there has to be something that changes or motivates the behaviors behind you before you can be identified from that perspective. Well, absolutely. It's deeply unconscious, right? Mm-hmm. So it, yes. you can't fake that stuff. And, yeah. and and the element of reality cannot be replaced with anything else um, to get to get a true read on, on body language. So, okay. What's the craziest thing, craziest situation that you can talk about that you ended up in the middle of? <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> trying to think if there was anything that was outlandishly crazy. I don't remember if I told you a story and this wasn't something that I was in, but I just thought it was such, to me, it was such a great tell on the reason why the program was so effective. Uh-huh. Did I tell you the story about, I have another friend that uh, was going through the airport. They were going to Disney Disneyland. Did I tell no, you about you didn't that? tell me. Do tell. Share with everyone. Share with the yeah. world. <laughs> Well, this this was someone someone uh, and she and her husband who who happened to be a police officer, but they were they had made plans to go to Disneyland uh-huh. and she had all the reservations made and, uh, you know, the hotel, the itinerary, you know, everything for days. And like uh, a couple of days before they went or a day, I mean, it was very, very soon so that you'd have to change all, all the plans. Her son came to her and asked if they could go to Disney World instead. Oh, and I mean, who would do that? You know, you have there's no. often fees and penalties. Well, oh, I think she must have wanted to go to Disney World more or something because they ended up changing it literally at the last minute and going oh. to Disney World. Oh my gosh! Now the flights were about the same time, uh-huh. so they they were uh, they went to the airport, and uh, as her husband went in to to check in the luggage. Um, she noticed some individuals there that had some very unusual behaviors and, you know, uh, she just kind of saw them and, and, uh, watched them a little bit, but, you know, went on her way and, and went and sat down and waited for her husband to come and he checked in the bags and they got on the airport on the airplane and, mm-hmm. and she didn't say anything about it at that point. And then when they're in the air, the flight attendants 
start behaving in a very unusual way. They're on their cell phones, which, you know, you're not supposed to be on your cell phone. And uh, they're not letting the, the passengers get up out of the seats or do anything. Oh, really? Yes. So when they land in Orlando, uh, they were flying from Boston to Orlando. Uh-huh. When they're landing in, in Orlando, uh, the airport is just desolate. There's no one in it. And uh, that's when they learned that the first plane that they would have been in, I think it was American Airlines Flight 44 from Orlando to L.A. was uh-huh. the first plane that went into the Twin Towers. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Those individuals that they saw and she had to, her husband, it turns out, had also noticed them and thought uh-huh. there was something unusual that those individuals that they saw were the men that flew that plane into that into that tower. Wow. And we actually have video and, and so many of the things that we would identify and look for uh, were within. You could see that those individuals were were displaying many of those behaviors during that okay period. okay so what were they doing okay let's talk about it so <laughs> i know you don't want to tell me but maybe <laughs> one or two things so obviously they would have been like avoiding eye contact right now was it i mean i'm guessing right was it subtle i mean if if a, if a layman can notice then well but remember we also have gut instincts about stuff sure and and when let's just say we know that they were from a country that would be a terrorist country. Yeah. And they were men between the 20 ages of 20 and 40 years old. Now, that wasn't necessarily the thing that would make him identify. Uh-huh. But but uh, I, in the way that they might communicate with each other, even if it's not direct conversation with each other. Uh-huh. But no, avoiding eye contact isn't necessarily true. Something that can be part of it is having a cold, penetrating stare towards someone. So they may be staring you down. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And uh, or the way that they behave. And and I won't go into a lot more with that, but they're there. It isn't necessarily a submissive. I want to hide behavior. It can be a, an aggressive, bold behavior. Yeah, because these are men that are fixing to commit their life to this. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole different. Well, that makes sense. Because guess what? Because I have a friend in Kona who said he saw those guys come through Kona. So I think they went Kona, L.A., Wow. And, and that totally adds up because he said he saw their pictures on TV and he was like, I knew something was up with them. I saw them come through wow. Kona. So I get a little goosebumps on that on that deal because, yeah, it's legit. Uh, wow. OK. <laughs> any, any other situations that uh, like where it, maybe maybe you stopped to talk to someone and you found out it was really something totally innocent, but uh, where they were showing these signs? Well, actually, most of the ones that you end up talking to do uh, end mm-hmm. up being something, but th- that's going to be the process. Most the lo- it's going to be a very tiny percentage of people that are in any environment that are going to be, in fact, doing something like that. Mm-hmm. So you're you're going to, but it's still great, great, uh, uh, a great way for training and observing things, and also you know often, and that's what I mean, finding that someone is grieving over something or doing it. And, you know, I actually love the microfacials. I love tra- uh, training that. You know, there are seven universal mm-hmm. expressions that everyone has. And the micro can last a fraction of a second. Most people won't even see it. I mean, it is so quickly. Oh, yeah, it takes a, it takes a sharp eye to see and, it. Well, but even the person doing it won't know that they displayed it. Totally. And, that, and what is so good about it is that uh, it tells the genuine feeling behind it. Mm-hmm. And... 
we that's where knowing someone's baseline again because someone may always frown or be mm-hmm. look grumpy or something you know there, right. there could be be something in there and i and contempt is probably the one i you know when we started talking again i i uh-huh. talked about the contempt you know it's not knowing your baseline although i actually think that was contempt but uh it, well, me and and you can see me here. Uh-huh. If I just do a small smile, uh-huh. can you see one side of my face goes up more? Yeah, it is. It's it's well, you just pointed at it, but yeah, one side uh-huh. of your face is a little bit up more. And that's just my baseline. I don't know what you know, my face has always been like two faces. It's you know, and you can do that with almost anybody, but most of now when I go into a full smile, that wouldn't really uh-huh. yeah. well yeah, <laughs> you no, know, I, I'm the same way. I have a scar right here. Okay. Changed my smile just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I'll watch. And that's why I said, you know, so, but if I'm just sitting in, you know, just sitting uh-huh. and doing a little smile or something, people have said, oh, well, that's contempt they're showing because contempt is always bilateral on one side of the face. Right. But you usually, and I'll try to do, uh, well, the people can't see it, but for you, you know, uh-huh. there's a difference between. Uh-huh. And yeah, totally. You so could, so what, yeah. what she's doing is a little smile. Her normal smile is crooked, but then you can you can see when one corner is is pulled back, mm-hmm. and that's and, and contempt. Just so people know, it's uh, defined as moral superiority, right? So it doesn't mean that someone's lying, but it uh, but it can give you a motivation for what they're doing because because it, it, they they can be doing something just great, but it can also give you a motivation for why they may be up to something that's that's no good. Well, I mean, yes, I should say, I don't know that any one thing, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I've also personally never cared for the moral superiority. It's contempt. You may have contempt over something. I'm going to have contempt over somebody that's hurting, abusing a child, Yeah, you know, so, uh, and that doesn't make me feel any moral superior. I just, what they are doing is detestable. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, w- when you look at those, what happens is if you're in a, in a conversation where you're talking with someone and they say something, but they you see are able to see a micro that doesn't fit. You want to ask more questions. You don't exactly. automatically assume that they're lying. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I may have told you this, you know, early on when we first met him, because it's one thing that I would use when I do presentations and stuff. But I always talked about I many years ago, I used to do cake decorating. Oh, so, <laughs> so I, I would, uh, you know, talk to a group of people and uh-huh. I ha- had a big slide with a big tiered chocolate cake with these beautiful roses on it and stuff. And I said, Tracy, this is your cake. You just made this and you've entered it into a contest that I am the judge of this cake. Uh-huh. And I'm observing it and I'm telling you, I said, you know, your, your artwork on those roses is incredible. The, the, uh, the cake, the chocolate cake is, is, uh, uh, very moist and tender uh-huh. and you're very observant, which you would be. And you notice that I flashed a micro of disgust uh-huh. in there. No, I know you, I know you were lying. Yeah. So, uh, you, you could automatically assume she's lying to me about this. Uh-huh. And in the audience, in fact, in, when I start and I talk to anybody, I tell them my friend, I said, never assume because you see something that they're lying. And then when I sometime later get to this, I ask, so how many people think I'm lying? And, you know, a good portion uh-huh. of people would usually say, yes, you're lying. Uh-huh. Uh, I said, well, no, I said, we're not going to assume that. So Tracy is is very knowledgeable in this. So what she might say, she said, well, Robin, you've told me the things you like about the cake. Uh-huh. Can you tell me the things you don't like about it? And I said, well, uh-huh. you know, Tracy. 
I actually do not like chocolate cake, which is true. I do you not don't. like chocolate cake. Oh my gosh, Rob, what are we going to do with you? I know. So <laughs> chocolate cake or Oreo cookies. Yes. Well, not I'll, the eat, chocolate I'll eat all of it that you don't want. <laughs> so, but, but with that, even as a judge, I have to set my biases aside and fairly assess the cake based on the value of the cake. Uh-huh. But my, my, uh, disgust showed my true feeling about at least the chocolate part of that cake. So, wow, I and I think that is super important. Um, because because right after I said, oh, they're lying, and then I went, wait a minute, they might not like chocolate cake, right? So yeah. even I jumped to that and in disgust of. It turns out it's a little hard to do body language on a podcast. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's when it's when your your lip kind of goes um more like up, like kind of at an angle, kind of towards your eye a little bit. It's the, it's yeah. where where your your nose you'll see mm-hmm. the the uh, creases here beside your mouth. Yeah, yeah, that's, go up that and your, your nose yeah. cur- your nose curls in disgust. It's like a bad smell or something. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, okay, so, Robin, uh, I have a flight on Sunday. I'm going. I'm going on flight on Sunday. So, uh, it, it, along with who knows however many people. What should we be looking for at the airport? Because, okay, so it's pretty clear that these 9-11 guys were trouble, right? And it didn't take an expert to figure that out, right? What should I be looking for at the airport? And then is there anything I can do about it? Like knowing that I'm not an officer of anything, right? Mm-hmm. I just, I just know, like, what, is there a plan? What's the, what's, what's your tips? Well, I mean, anyone that's going to the airport, if you're observant and pay attention to things, because it actually is often the people that are, there are very few uh, behavior detection officers at any airport. Mm -hmm. I know as soon as people hear about some of them being there, they always say, oh, they're the ones. It's very, it's very unlikely at Mm -hmm. most airports that, that there was a behavior detection officer there, which I think is sad. Mm -hmm. But, I know they're uh, in Denver. I know. I know for sure they're in Denver. So anyway, <laughs> keep going. But if if, uh, if you uh, are there and you see something that is disturbing, I mean, I don't know that I would. Well, you because you have a different uh, skill set, I guess uh-huh. you might interact and talk with someone. I mean, you could try and just engage if there was something, you know, to uh-huh. see if you get any different feelings or whatever. But if or if you just saw something that really disturbed you, you could always go to any of the other the, mm-hmm. in, any of the TSA officers or if there's law enforcement that's there, you can speak to them. Mm-hmm. So never, you know, they're going to hear that and they do often, but that's their responsibility to go and, and check and see what's going on there. Got it. So, or, or even watch. So, so do you, and one last question, do you think with what, with, with your experience, what, uh, are things really getting stopped or is no one trying? Well, Does that I make think, sense? yes, I actually think that things are getting stopped. I mean, uh-huh. uh, you know, I mean, even just the, you know, TSA without any behavior detection, behavior detection officers, obviously is are stopping things you know because people hate them and and get mad at them and i hope everybody changes their opinions on them i would i've never wanted to have that particular job that particular position uh Uh, but and there are officers there that have been out on that floor for years and they still smile (laughs) when people come through Uh but they stop things i mean they find things now they find things that people think are absurd you know the the small amount of liquids or you know, something is innocuous, I guess, mm-hmm. is peanut butter. Right. You Typically, people don't carry that on their check-on, but in, in baggage, it goes through. And peanut butter, 
uh, lights up the bag all the time because it is the density of an explosion explosive. Mm -hmm. So you have to pull that over. And even though most of the time it may be peanut butter, there have been cases when they have found other things that were questionable within bags. So, you know, the, it, it's an essential part of our society, sadly, today, anywhere. And it is a necessary one. And, you know, we can all only, you know, a police officer may, you know, I think there's been police officers that have spent most of their career and never fired their gun or done anything. Sure. But what would we have done without them? You know, we, we have to have them there because, you know, sadly, there's always going to be those that want to do bad things so. well sure well you just spent a lot of time fighting crime just one person one bag at a time and so thank you uh for uh doing that putting yourselves in harm's way so everybody else can be safe around here and um and thank you for coming on truth lies and cover-ups you're, you know i think you're just a gym oh well thank you tracy and i do you as well so i appreciate your podcast and and the information you're trying to get out there good deal Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.